Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips about improving the health and well being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of a senior's healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. Today, I want to talk about a topic that is relevant to the health of virtually all older adults, and that is being able to check blood pressure at home. Specifically, I want to talk about the many reasons it can be extremely helpful for any older adult to have a home blood pressure monitor, even if you don't have a diagnosis of high blood pressure or aren't taking medication for this condition, which we also call hypertension. Now, we should keep in mind that in fact, the majority of older adults do have high blood pressure. Um, So a variety of clinical surveys have been done of older people, um, people really age 60 and older, or sometimes it's age 65 and older. And they generally find that between 60 and 80% of seniors have high blood pressure, which is usually defined as having a systolic blood pressure. So that's the first number when you look at a blood pressure. So hypertension usually means a systolic blood pressure of 140 or greater. And this goes up with age because a certain number of people develop high blood pressure later in life. And so they've had other studies where they follow people, older adults, for four or five years, and they do see that a certain number of them develop high blood pressure. So just because you don't have it earlier in life when you're middle-aged or in your 50s doesn't mean you won't get it later on, unfortunately. And so hypertension is actually the number one chronic condition among Medicare beneficiaries. And so it's a good uh, common health condition for everybody to learn about. But now, why is it helpful for an older adult to have a home blood pressure monitor? Because historically, people have had their blood pressure checked and managed just when they go to the doctor. So uh, what I want to do in this episode is cover three reasons that I think it can be really helpful for people to have a home blood pressure monitor. In my experience, older adults and their families aren't always aware of these reasons. And I think it's a nice opportunity to give people a way to be more involved in their healthcare in a way that can be really helpful for them and their families. So the three reasons that I'm going to focus on today are these. One is that having a home blood pressure monitor, uh, especially if you know how to use it, And we'll talk about um, useful ways to use it later on. So one reason is that having a home blood pressure monitor can be really helpful in terms of identifying and reducing fall risk. And as you probably know, falls are a huge issue for older adults. About one in three seniors falls uh, every year. And most of those falls are are minor, um, although often scary. But a certain number of them can be catastrophic or devastating. And they're definitely a sign that, that something should be done. So having a home blood pressure monitor can actually help identify and reduce a fairly common contributor to fall risk, and I'm going to talk more about that in a bit. Another reason is that being able to check the blood pressure, um, and importantly the pulse, because a monitor will always tell you both the blood pressure and the pulse at the same time, and that, um, that information, blood pressure and pulse, is really key to what we call vitals information, and that can be really helpful 
in helping an older adult and their family figure out what to do if a senior starts feeling unwell or suddenly gets sick or, you know, is unwell and you're kind of wondering how soon to get them to the doctor or, or, or how much help to get. So having that home blood pressure monitor, can be hugely helpful for that. And then uh, last but not least of the three reasons that I'm going to cover today, having a home blood pressure monitor can also be incredibly useful in helping a senior and family check on the effect of a medication change. And this allows them to get to the right dosage faster. And as we know, many older adults take a lot of medications. But even if you're only taking a few medications, uh, medications are, are helpful, but they also come with risks. And it's important to sort of, um, one, choose our medications carefully. And two, if, if an older person is taking a medication, we want to get the right dose for that person and what they need from the medication. We want to get the dose that offers a good balance of benefits without too much risk or harm. And for many medications, many medications do affect blood pressure in some way, even if they weren't prescribed for blood pressure. And so having that home monitor to check the blood pressure and the pulse uh, can be really helpful in tailoring a new medication and getting to the right dosage sooner rather than waiting three or six months until the person goes in against the doctor and finding out at that time that it's had effects on the blood pressure. So... So let me go into those three reasons in a little bit um, more detail with you. So we'll start with the first one, which was about identifying and reducing fall risk. And again, this list that I've come up with is, is based on the way that I personally, as a practicing doctor, have used blood pressure readings and have used a senior's home blood pressure readings. So for fall risk. So one thing that's really helpful to know if you're an older adult or caring for aging parents is that it's incredibly common for older people to experience a drop in blood pressure when they stand up. This is especially true in people who are taking medications for blood pressure, and there are also a couple other medications that aren't prescribed for blood pressure, but they do have an effect on people's blood pressure. But even people who aren't taking any blood pressure medications can experience this drop when they stand up. So this change in blood pressure when one stands is called uh, orthostatic hypotension or sometimes an orthostatic blood pressure change. It's also sometimes called a postural blood pressure change. So postural changes in blood pressure have been noted in about 20% of adults age 65 or older. And again, um, generally more common if the person is taking medications that affect blood pressure. And in case you're wondering why these changes happen, Briefly, I'll say that the body, uh, well, basically when you stand up, all this blood can fall down into your legs. And since we've evolved to be standing and walking around most of, uh, during much of our daylight hours, um, the body has developed these methods of uh, when we stand, quickly squeezing the blood vessels tightly closed, especially in the lower part of the body, to prevent a big drop in blood pressure. And there are a couple other um, mechanisms in the body that help compensate for this, um, for gravity, basically, and our change in posture. But what happens is that as people get older, these systems uh, tend to age or slow down, or they may have been damaged by other chronic illnesses, depending on the person's medical history. And then also medications that are meant to lower blood pressure can often interfere with that whole process of compensating for a change in blood pressure. So it is quite, quite common. And so when people stand, they'll, one, some of them will actually, many of them will notice a feeling of lightheadedness or dizziness. 
And so if anything else is going on that might make them vulnerable to a fall, that could tip people over into a fall. So for us in geriatrics, whenever we're worried about somebody falling because they've had a fall or they tell us they're afraid of falls or they have other sort of things going on that make us feel that they're at high fall risk, one of the things we almost always do in geriatrics is check their blood pressure sitting and standing to see if they are experiencing that drop. And what you might have noticed is that often when people go to the doctor, their blood pressure is checked sitting and that's it. So having that home monitor means that you can do that sitting and standing check on your own and you don't have to do it only at the doctor. And that's helpful too because when we check blood pressure only at the doctor, we're checking it uh, just in those circumstances, which are sometimes stressful for people. But um, many people only go to the doctor every two, three, four, six, or even 12 months. And um, so you don't want to have to depend on the doctor's office to do this check. So having that home monitor means that you can do this check. And personally, I generally recommend people consider a change in medication if the standing blood pressure drops to less than 110 systolic. That's a general guideline. Uh, there are some people for whom a standing blood pressure lower than that is is either going to be okay or we're going to decide we're going to accept that because there are other reasons that uh, often relate to the heart or kidneys that, that we need to uh, have them on medication and it's not possible to make any other adjustments. But that's my general rule of thumb is that if when an older person stands, they either have a drop more than 20 points or it drops below 110, then I start thinking, hmm, is there anything we can do to reduce that drop, which might include changing medications? So most medications that people take for their heart or blood pressure can have this effect or contribute to it. And then in terms of non-heart medications that could do this, the main one that older people, uh, men essentially are often taking is medication for enlarged prostate, such as Tamsulosin. The brand name is Flomax. There's another one, also an older drug that's not used as often called uh, terazosin, the brand name is Hytrin, I believe. So these aren't medications that shrink the prostate. These are medications that relax the urethra to allow urine to come out more easily. And that effect of relaxing the urethra also relaxes blood vessels. And that's why it tends to be associated with this drop in blood pressure when people stand. So if you've had any concerns about falls in an older person, I would encourage you, one, to have their blood pressure checked sitting and standing at least a few times. And then two, consider that home blood pressure monitor to help you track that, especially after medications for blood pressure or, post or prostate excuse me, have been changed. So moving on to the second uh, important reason that I cited earlier in the episode, checking for serious illnesses and getting a sort of quicker, more effective assessment. So as I mentioned earlier, Blood pressure and pulse are the most commonly taken and uh, really in a lot of ways the most important vital signs that we rely on as health professionals to assess how somebody's doing. And that's because even in somebody who doesn't have high blood pressure or isn't taking blood pressure medications, they reflect how the heart is managing on one of its most effective jobs, which is to effectively pump blood to the rest of the body. So uh, often a serious illness such as an infection or a heart problem can cause changes in the blood pressure and the pulse. So in general, what we doctors worry about the most is one, heart rates that are much higher than usual, 
especially if it's a pulse above 100 beats per minute. That can be a sign of dangerously low blood pressure due to infection. That can be a sign of uh, dehydration or bleeding. That can be a sign of a new heart problem that's causing the heart to race, which may or may not make a person dizzy or uncomfortable or even give them a little bit of chest pain. So that's one thing we worry about, heart rates that are much higher than usual. And then we also worry about blood pressure that's much lower than usual, especially if the sitting systolic blood pressure is less than 100. And again, that's because an unusually low blood pressure could reflect something like a serious infection, a urinary tract infection, or pneumonia, for instance. It could reflect the heart having difficulty pumping blood um, effectively. It could reflect dehydration or a bleed. Now, There are, of course, lots of other problems that can cause abnormalities in the heart rate and blood pressure, and so I'm not trying to cover them all. But in that moment when a person looks sick, and we call that kind of, you know, an acute illness or a concern, those are the things that we think about, where some of the other abnormalities for blood pressure and pulse are related more to chronic conditions, which are also very important for us to track and try to optimize so that a person feels their best and prevents you know, health complications and, and, uh, and health events. But, uh, but again, in that moment where somebody looks unwell and the question is, how serious is it? How urgent is it to get them in to a health provider? What kind of health provider do they need to see? Uh, we get a lot of information from the blood pressure and pulse. And you should realize that the information we get from the blood pressure and pulse is kind of two things. One is the absolute number, how high or low the heart rate is how high or low the blood pressure is, but it's even better if we can compare it to what a person's usual blood pressure and pulse is. And that's why it's great if we can access some information from the primary care doctor, or if a senior and family have been checking their blood pressure and pulse at home regularly, then we might be able to use that information. So how would you use that information is is probably what you're wondering. And uh, the way this can help you is um, that when you, if you're worried about an older person, whether it's yourself or your spouse or your aging parents, and you think maybe we need to get you in to see a doctor, you're hopefully going to call an office. And you might call either to ask about an appointment or more and more primary care offices have telephone advice lines, which are great because it's a way to get people some just-in-time information to help them with their their decision making and to to catch people earlier if they need help. So when you call an advice line, you'll actually be able to get better help over the phone if you're able to tell the doctor or nurse what the older person's blood pressure and pulse is. And also if you can um, sort of say how it compares to their usual, that's really helpful too. And if you ever are in the situation where you're worried about an older person and you're calling the, um, the advice line or the doctor. Also be ready to explain how the older person seems different than usual, including any new worse than usual confusion, whether they've had a fall, whether they're moving differently. That's helpful too. So we all, of course, uh, hope that we won't have an urgent health question, but in reality, urgent and semi-urgent and even emergent health concerns come up when people are older. And so having that home blood pressure monitor can equip you to get the right help more quickly and efficiently. And that can end up making a nice difference. So that's an additional benefit of having a home blood pressure monitor. And then um, the third reason that I previously mentioned is to check on the effect of a recent medication change. 
So not all older people are taking many medications, but most take at least a few, and some of them take quite a lot, especially if they're one of those people who has several chronic conditions. And also, as I mentioned earlier, high blood pressure is the number one chronic condition that older people have. So my experience has been that quite a lot of older people, you know, take blood pressure medications and they might have their medications changed too. And so the home blood pressure monitor can make it easier to assess a change and get things down to the right dosage for an older person. Now, I'll admit that I think for primary care doctors, they're not entirely, most of them so far, I think this is, we're going to see a big change in this over the next um, probably five years. But historically, primary care has been practiced with uh, relatively little data. I mean, people only got their blood pressure checked when they came into the doctor. And the doctor would sort of look at it right then and just often prescribe medication just based on that single reading, even though we know that people's blood pressure is actually constantly going up and down, up and down a little bit every day, um, depending on their position and whether they're stressed or emotional or, I mean, it's a little bit like your heart rate. You might notice that your heart rate goes a little bit up and down all the time too. It's just, it's, it's, it's a constantly dynamic measurement. And uh, we also know that a certain number of people, it goes up in the doctor's office because they're anxious about what the doctor might tell them. So it's a little bit, in a way, strange that for such a long time, we would take just that one number right in the doctor's office and prescribe medication based on it. But, you know, that's what we had to do because it didn't used to be affordable and possible for people to have home blood pressure monitors. So now if you're prescribed a medication that affects your blood pressure, maybe you go in and they find your blood pressure has been high for a while. Maybe you've even brought in, you know, numbers from home. And so that the doctor can confirm that it's, it's often high. It's not just right then that moment when you're at the doctor's office. And so they make a change and they, you know, increase the dosage a little bit, let's say. So what we used to do is that then the person would go home and they would take their higher dose of blood pressure medicine. And the doctor would tell them to come back in two weeks or in a month or sometimes even three months. It kind of depended on the style of the doctor and also whether their clinic had, you know, nurses or people who could do a short follow-up visit for blood pressure. And it also depended on whether the person wanted to come back in for that short follow-up visit for blood pressure. So that's the old way we did it. And I honestly believe there's a better way. And that if, if we want to make sure a person is on the right blood pressure, it's great to leverage a home blood pressure monitor and ask them, okay, you're going to start this change in medication and check your blood pressure every day for the next several days and let us know how it is. And that way we'll know whether it's okay or whether we need to still nudge it up or down. Most blood pressure medications have an effect uh, within hours to days. So certainly after a week, we should be seeing the effect of what that medication changes and we should be in a position to know whether we need to move the medication up or down. And so that means that we might get an older person on what seems like a good dose within one or two weeks instead of waiting one or two months or even longer, which can be a long time to leave somebody on either not enough medication, um, in which case their blood pressure would be too high, or too much medication, in which case they would again, you know, possibly be having these drops in blood pressure and at just risk for, you know, for falls, for side effects and for complications. So if you uh, have a home blood pressure monitor and your doctor changes your blood pressure medication, what you can do is ask the doctor to specify what blood pressure would be too high and too low, 
And you should especially ask um, what goal sitting blood pressure is the doctor or nurse aiming for? And at what level of, um, especially systolic blood pressure, the higher one, that's usually the one that we use to guide our medication changes. At what level of systolic blood pressure should you call for more advice? Is it if it's above 150, 170, 180? And generally the threshold for calling, you know, and calling means you shouldn't wait until the scheduled time to check in and adjust the medication. Calling means you should check in sooner because it's you know more likely to be a problem. Generally, that threshold for calling depends on the older person's medical situation. And it's really something that you want to work out with the doctors. Being a geriatrician, I would also say that if a blood pressure medication has been changed, I would encourage you to check the blood pressure sitting and standing at least a few times, especially if the older person has bad balance or has been prone to falls. And then since we know that blood pressure does fluctuate a bit during the day, even from one day to another, that's why it's helpful to check, you know, a few days in a row. So you might be wondering, uh, if you get a home blood pressure monitor, do you have to check every day? And my own take on this is that for most people, I think it's actually not necessary to check every day. I mean, if you can, it's helpful. Uh, but I also know that a lot of older people have a lot of other things going on. I mean, they may be quite busy just with the appointments and medications they already have. They may be working. They may be involved in helping grandchildren. I mean, people have lives. And so we want their health care and their self-health care to focus on things that are, you know, good bang for the buck, that sort of provide a lot of benefit for the effort involved. And I think for a lot of people, checking every day, no matter how you're feeling, no matter what's going on with your medications, is not necessarily going to be that useful. But I do think it's helpful um, to make an effort to check every day if possible during that window after a medication has been changed. And um, I do think it's helpful to check when a person's feeling unwell. And it is helpful to have what we call sort of a baseline, like a feeling of what the person's blood pressure is usually when they're in their normal state of being, partly because that helps us know what to think when they're feeling unwell. And uh, so generally when people ask me, I would say just for kind of healthy maintenance, checking at home uh, once a week is great. If that feels like a lot, once a month, at least once a month can be pretty useful. And then if you have, you know, the time and energy and want to check it every day as part of a routine, I think that's okay. I just think it's not entirely necessary if lots of other things are going on. So to wrap up this episode... I do feel that if you want to be proactive in taking care of your own health, uh, if you're an older adult or the health of an older person, if you're a family caregiver or trying to help out aging parents, I do feel like a home blood pressure monitor is just fantastic bang for the buck, especially if you know how to use it and use it regularly, meaning at least once a month or maybe once a week, just for that sort of background baseline blood pressure monitoring. And then also if you use it for the three reasons that I mentioned, one, to check for a drop in standing blood pressure, especially if there've been any falls or changes in medications. Two, as a tool you can use if an older person suddenly starts feeling unwell and that can allow you to get better help from an advice line or kind of telehealth services, you know, which means it can, you can be more effective in figuring out when you need to bring an older person in. And then three, just in uh, speeding up the process of getting to the right dose of blood pressure medication after those medications have been adjusted, which they often are for older adults. 
So now that I've devoted an entire episode to explaining how you and your family can benefit from using a home blood pressure monitor, you may be wondering which one to get or how to choose one to purchase. If you want more information on choosing a home blood pressure monitor that will give you good quality readings and make it easier for you to collaborate with doctors, I have an article on the website called Choosing and Using a Home Blood Pressure Monitor. And I'll link to that in the show notes, and that goes into detail on what features and issues to consider. And even if you already have a blood pressure monitor at home, it might be worth it for you to take a look at this because this will help you assess whether the monitor you have is the one that you should keep using or whether you should consider replacing it. The main thing I find is that sometimes people have wrist monitors and uh, it's harder to get an accurate reading with a wrist monitor. So I generally recommend people consider an arm monitor, especially if they are on blood pressure medication or really want to be involved in that process of making sure they're on the right medication dose for them. So that article does go into details on features and issues to consider. And I wrote this article a few years ago, but I've just recently updated it. And for the very first time, I am suggesting a particular blood pressure monitor that I've been testing at home this summer. I don't have any relationship with the company or anything like that. The monitor is the Omron 786N, and it's available on Amazon for $65. And Omron is a reliable, well-established brand. They've been making blood pressure monitors both for consumers and especially for health professionals for quite a long time. And what I like about this particular consumer home blood pressure model are three things. One is that it measures at the arm, which, as I mentioned, tends to give more accurate measurements than a wrist monitor. And two, it has a feature called TrueRead, in which it will check the blood pressure three times in a row with a minute between each reading, and then it presents an average of the readings. Now, blood pressure is something that's actually constantly changing um, in the body, going up and down a little bit. And so this averaging of three readings in a row is thought to lead to a more accurate measurement. And actually in the SPRINT trial of blood pressure lowering, and that was that big trial of blood pressure treatment that made the news last fall, and I am planning to do a podcast episode covering some of uh, the findings of that trial later on this year. In that SPRINT trial, they measured the blood pressure with an automatic Armron monitor that took three readings in a row with a one-minute break between readings. So this particular consumer Armron blood pressure monitor is an opportunity for you to use the same technique in checking blood pressure, and I think it's great that that's an option. Or you can have it set so that it just checks the blood pressure once. It's kind of up to you, the user. And then the third feature that I like with this monitor is that it has Bluetooth. So that's the technology that allows devices such as smartphones and other devices like your Fitbit uh, or a blood pressure monitor or a computer. Bluetooth is the technology that allows these devices to communicate and exchange data when they're within close range. Like usually, um, I think it depends on the device. I think of it as being 10 to 15 feet, but it probably depends on device. Anyway, this monitor is Bluetooth enabled. So once you download the Omron Wellness app onto your smartphone, and it works for both iPhones and for Android phones, I think that's another nice feature. Once you have the app and you pair your smartphone to the blood pressure monitor, it will automatically transfer readings to the app. And then you can view the readings online as well by logging into the Omron Wellness website. 
So I really like this feature because it makes it much easier to keep a log of your blood pressure readings. You don't have to write anything down. You don't have to enter it into a third-party program for blood pressure. Um, and then the app, whether you use it on your smartphone or online, has some features that make it easy to print the results or to email them to somebody else in the care circle. So that could really come in handy if you wanted to share the results with other people or possibly even other clinicians. And another aspect of the using the app and the smartphone to transfer results is that as far as I can tell, the device will keep results for quite a while. So you don't have to have a smartphone near the blood pressure monitor every day. So for instance, if you're a family caregiver and you're helping an older parent with their health and your parent lives alone, your parent could use this monitor on their own. And then when you come with your smartphone that has the app and that uh, has been paired to the device, if you come once a week or periodically, you can connect your phone to the app and download the data at that time. I mean, of course, if your older parent has a smartphone and is comfortable connecting their phone to the device periodically to download the results, that's fine too. But I know that there are a certain number of people who are helping older parents and that their parents may not have a smartphone or may not be super comfortable in using apps and in connecting to other devices with it. So it's nice to know that that's an option as well. Now, although I think this home blood pressure monitor is a solid choice, if you're thinking of buying it, I wanna say that it's not perfect And specifically, I'm really hoping that they will improve the app itself over the next year. One thing that I find bothersome is that this app does not offer any option to add comments or notes to a blood pressure reading. And I feel this is a major design oversight because I can think of so many things one might want to note along with a blood pressure reading, such as, was the person standing or sitting? Was a new medication started recently? Did the person not take their blood pressure medication that day? That's a fairly common cause of uh, high worrisome blood pressures. Which arm was used for the blood pressure measurement? Was the person feeling sick, dizzy, having palpitations, or otherwise not feeling well or not in his or her usual state of health? So as you can see, you know, as I'm mentioning these things that could be noted along with a blood pressure reading, they're mostly things that are unusual or exceptional. So I don't know that you have to write notes every time you check blood pressure. But as I mentioned earlier in this episode, one of the ways in which having a home monitor can be so useful is this ability to check blood pressure when the person is feeling unwell or seems different. And then um, you should not be deciding what to do health-wise just based on that blood pressure by yourself. You should probably contact a clinician. Um, But it's very useful to be able to jot some notes. So I'm disappointed that the app does not offer any kind of little space next to a reading for someone to add extra information because that means that if you do want to take notes uh, regarding the circumstances of a reading, um, and I think that is helpful to do at times, especially if something unusual is going on, that means you're going to have to journal those notes somewhere else, like in whatever journal or notebook you're using to record observations about health or keeping track about the health issues. So that's one downside of... um, this device, but it is uh, related to the software of the app, not the device itself. So it's possible that they could update the app and then that would improve things. Um, Another uh, flaw, and again, this is related to the software, not to the actual monitor itself, 
the app does offer the option of exporting the blood pressure data. So that means exporting the numbers in what's called a CSV file, comma separated value file. And you may have noticed with other um, programs that have data, such as even when you look at your, your bank account online, there's often an option to export your data. And it exports it in these numbers that are separated by commas. And then you can import it into Excel or another program that can use that data. So uh, Omron Wellness does offer this option of exporting the blood pressure data. But when I tried it, I found that the exported data was um, incorrectly formatted. Uh, so it couldn't easily be used in Excel. Um, they basically put numbers and letters in the same cell, which is a data management no-no. Because in a spreadsheet, numbers have to be by themselves so that the computers can add them up and average them and make sense of them. So I think that's a bit surprising that this app does that. I'm hoping that's another thing that they'll fix. Because due to the way the program currently exports the data, I wasn't able to upload it to a personal health record program that I've been experimenting with. But anyway, these are small things that I think won't too much interfere with your ability to take advantage of having a home blood pressure monitor. So um, the bottom line is that if you want to purchase a home blood pressure monitor, and after listening to this episode, I hope you will want to have one in the home, uh, this Omron 786N is a good choice, and there are other good choices too. I would just encourage you to, um, to read the article about choosing a home blood pressure monitor and um, use one that is likely to give you a good reading, that reads at the arm, that's made by a reliable manufacturer, and that hopefully makes it easy for you to log the readings and be able to review them and be able to share them with your clinician. That's what's most important. And again, I'll put a link to my related article and also to this device in the show notes. And if you yourself have come across a home blood pressure monitor that you've been using and that you think would work well for the purposes that I've described in this episode, please let me know what it is because I'm always on the lookout for useful tools that I can recommend to my patients and to others. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in the episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. And that's also where I'll be posting links to some of the resources that I mentioned. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net slash podcast, and you'll see a list of recent episodes. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and a review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes, and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.